0: hi
1: guys welcome back to another episode of the 49 er faithful UK show once again I'm joined by Nachi Carr. hello hello everyone Paul hope hi everyone And Gareth Ellis hello hello everyone Hi, fellas. How are we doing? Very good. good.
2: How are you? Oh, well, I'm fine. Not
1: so good. Football is <laughs> over. Oh. Yeah, yeah. You've got a point. We've got that long wait now. But to be honest, ever since um, PFF came up with that draft simulator, my time has well and truly been spent.
3: <laughs> Hopefully, productively. <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah. I've, sp- I've I've spent a few hours on it as well. I'm glad all the football's out of the way and we can get fully back into gossip season. Oh, yes, definitely.
1: So gossip season is definitely going to be talked about in this show. But to begin with, um, and and pardon the pun, but the Super Bowl is well and truly in the books now.
2: (laughs) Very nicely done.
1: (laughs) I I wouldn't say it was the worst Super Bowl I've watched. I have watched worse, but I've also watched better as well. It, It was entertaining to a point, and I think I can probably talk for every Niner fan out there. I think the most pleasing thing was actually seeing all the flags that the Chiefs got. But it was also frustrating because if we'd had that officiating crew last year, we'd have been six times Super Bowl champs. Yeah. Because yeah. they were getting flagged for the same stuff they weren't getting flagged for last year.
3: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, what did you, we don't have Brady, so. Ah, <laughs> oh, We yeah. don't,
1: but, I mean, Brady was efficient. He was efficient. He made a couple of really good throws, but he was generally efficient. Um, the Chiefs didn't really get to him as much as what they could have done. Um, I'm, I'm convinced that um, had we played the Bucks in the uh, the championship game with our defence, we'd have gotten more pressure on them than what the Chiefs did. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't have said he, he set the world alight. He was just efficient and he was experienced and he was calm. Um, and I would say that was the difference between the two quarterbacks. Pat Mahomes now, two back-to-back Super Bowls, and he hasn't been great. No, he hasn't. No, against us last season, he only came out with a 78.1 rating. He had two touchdowns, two interceptions, four sacks. This season, no touchdowns, two interceptions, three sacks, and a rating of 52.3. That's a combined total of two two touchdowns, four interceptions, seven sacks, and a passing rating of 65.2 in the biggest game of his career. He hasn't been great.
2: No, he hasn't at all. No, it was a bit of a weird game, wasn't it? I think we kind of called it, called it right. I thought, you know, we said that the Bucks defense was going to be dominant because they were missing the tackle, and it showed a little bit. But what was surprising to me the most was the, the just the miscues and the missed opportunities the Chief had, and they didn't take so many drops, so many... Uh, just miss plays and things that you just don't see them do on a regular basis and um, Richard Sherman said on his podcast apparently they flew there the day before or or one day before that so they've only been in Tampa for a couple of days which to me seems completely crazy when you're going to play the the biggest game uh, of the season and you don't really have time for your body to get used to it you know Kansas City isn't you know, a, a state over, it's kind of quite far away from, from Tampa. And just in terms of weather, I think acclimating would have been a good idea, but who knows what happened exactly and why they went allowed, whether it was COVID or not. But yeah, no, the chief just kind of didn't show up and yeah, the bugs did. They just played very efficiently, as you said. And Brady just did what he needed to do. And I mean, it wasn't even close, was it? Um, you say it wasn't a great game. Definitely wasn't. I think this year the playoffs have just been kind of a letdown. I, I can't remember a single great you know, playoff type game where it's nail-biting and close and whatever. Um, but I think it kind of reflects this, the whole season and the whole COVID and all whole thing. So it's kind of a fitting end to a, a season to forget, isn't it? Um, as soon as possible and get into proper football without all this nonsense soon. Um, what did you make of, of the Bucks defence, Paul? I was really impressed. I mean, Devin White's come out, hasn't he, with uh,
0: his stock even higher. Um, I was finding myself good morning football the other day when they were saying he was better than all pro Fred, but I wasn't having Please. that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, lately, said it wasn't the worst Super Bowl that I've watched. Um, I think last year when we got beat, we all accepted that flags are part of the game. And what I was quite proud of with the Super Bowl, I know I'm going down a different route here, but if you bear with us, we didn't harp on about it. We didn't cry about it. We didn't go on Twitter. And the 48 hours after the Super Bowl, I don't often engage in trash talk, but there's been a few flying around. There's the meme where it says, it's hard to feel sorry for the Chiefs. I've got to hold something back. And you've got Bosa being held as he could have got the ball. And you think... They've come out as bad losers. Mahomes mm. thrown his teammates under the bus. Like you said, Najee, he didn't look great. We knew he had the turf to injury. The concussion clearly was still affecting him. Um, but the Bucks' defence, looked at our game from last year clearly and thought the key to stopping them is getting after him. I mean, some of my friends who literally watched the Super Bowl couldn't believe how far behind Mahomes was running around. Um, I mean, that said, he wasn't at his best, but that throw he got off toward the end where he was like oh, Superman, man. where he was flying out the side, I thought, blow heck!" neck. But, I mean, I'm feeling quite proud because all of us called a Bucks win. Yeah. Come on the it show is. tonight, and I'm like, we called it. I mean, Gareth was championing it before the rest of us, but I, I, I enjoyed the tailgate before. I enjoyed my Super Bowl Sunday at home. It was a fitting end to a weird season, but. Uh, when we all asked for normality, I don't think we expected it to mean Tom Brady was going to be holding the Super Bowl at the end. But what did you make of it,
3: Gareth? <laughs> uh, well, as you said, I, I enjoyed the tailgate, um, possibly a little bit too much. Was <laughs> going, and I uh, I fell asleep at about quarter past 11 and woke up just at the end of the third quarter. Um, and by then, there wasn't really much of a game left to watch. Um, uh, you know, maybe, maybe I'd just... Uh, just woken up and I felt a little bit sorry for Kansas City because they just looked so comprehensively beaten by the fourth quarter. Um, I'd have perhaps a little bit more sympathy for the late flags on them if they weren't 369 days late. But there we go. Comprehensively beaten, I think. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see where the Chiefs go from here. It's all all very good. You win a Super Bowl, you want to keep the team together. I think they're like everybody. They're going to be up against the cap. They're going to have a lot of free agents. And and like you said, people say things, things get tossed around in the media. What's going to be the effect uh, on the Chiefs for, for next season?
2: Yeah, you're right. I think that's one of the most surprising thing was listening to Pat Mahomes basically throw his team under the bus. Um, in our interview, when he was saying that Uh, people weren't running the the good routes and people weren't protecting him, which I I just, I never really understand the the approach like this um, when you're part of a team. Um, Saying it within the team is one thing, saying it to the public is another. Um, And I was really, really surprised, but I think it's more frustration after the loss, isn't it? Um, But you're right. I think if losing like this after being so dominant for the last three years and and you've lost to tom brady three years ago in the in the championship avenue so and you lose again against against that guy um it, you know it, it does put a damper on everything so great you've achieved and and you can try and throw passes where you're all risen horizon, horizontal to the floor and it still goes for 30 yards it, it almost doesn't matter, doesn't it? Even though that play is probably one of the best play you'll ever see in football, it's it's OBJ catching the ball with three finger type things. I everybody will always remember, and yet it seemed to have disappeared just because of the way they lost this game. They lo- they looked so out of source, and like they di- they just didn't want to be there. And even somebody that I admire, like Ty and Matthew, watching him lose his cool and you know try and taunt the guy that's got. You know, six trophy at the time, and now seven. It's just, uh, it w- it was kind of weird. I I really don't know what's happened. I know the maybe the incident with you know Andy Reid's son and and the car crash and all that might have affected the whole team. I don't know, uh, but something wasn't right. And you just can't in the biggest game, can you? Otherwise, well, you're gonna lose thirty-one to nine. Like, consider it, like speaking about the flags. I like, if you lose by two points and and, and you know the Saints are allowed to complain about the flags because they lost a game because of of a ridiculous penalty. But when you get your your buttocks handed to you and you can't even score a touchdown, it, it's that's not the refs' fault, no matter how many flags they have called. So um, yeah, um, it's going to be interesting to see what what's happening next season for sure. Um, but yeah, there might be a, there might well be a whole new dynamic to to the Chiefs because. If anything, there's a blueprint on how to beat them exactly, and I think you're right, Paul. You know, bringing pressure. I mean, it's no secret. You know, they're bringing pressure and making him go off the spot, and and then go with Kelsey one-on-one and double Tyree kill. and that seems to at least limit their ability to to score touchdown. Like they'll they'll go down the field and put yards, but they won't. They'll struggle to score touchdown unless Pat Mahomes managed to. I don't know, do a back pass or like no look or one of one of those. But he's not going to do that every game. Um, and it's no, funny,
3: you he, know, he was do, he was doing that, and it just seemed his re- re- receivers were flatly refusing to catch the balls thrown at them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't help. So many, so many bad drops.
2: Um, we yeah, we have in our division. We have exactly. the same kind of team, haven't we? Where like it, they rely so heavily on their on their quarterback play to be absolutely perfect to win games that sometimes it just doesn't work. You know, Russell Wilson is the same. When he throws two or three picks, well, that's it. There's nothing else to carry the team and it, the Chiefs looked like that on Sunday anyway.
0: It was, um, that, that drive, you know, when um, the Chiefs held them on the one-yard line, and it was at 7-3. Yeah. That mm-hmm. reminded me of our game against Buffalo and when the Chiefs didn't, Basically, convert, you know, the punter looked really nervous. He kicked the ball away, hauled, stupid penalty to give away. So I don't know why the Chiefs hands were crying about that. And then when the punter muffed it off, you thought, oh, hang on. And then Brady, like Lee said, he was efficient. Brady to Gronk. Where have we seen this one before? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it was just, it was, like Gareth said, it was strange because by the fourth quarter, it was over. I was kind of sat there thinking, where, why didn't they play like this last year against us in the fourth quarter? It was. Um... But they did.
2: They did. <laughs> they did for for fifty four minutes. Um, and and the difference is, and I, you know, we we can go back to last year, but we had the ball back when we were down. Wait, we were down three, or we were up three. No, we were up three, and we had the ball after they scored the touchdown. And if we go down the field and score a touchdown, there. We win that game. And, we, you know, that's what Brady did. They just called touchdown when they needed to. And they put the game away because they had to fall behind. But we we played pretty much the same game the Bucks did, except for a play here and there, which obviously changes the whole dynamic of fans. And the
1: officiating crew actually
2: and threw the on the flags. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Not to contradict what Paul was saying about us as 49ers fans not pitching and mourned about it, but you, you can't really get away from the fact that all the flags that were thrown on Sunday night, they made all the same transgressions last year in the last oh, yeah. Super Bowl. They just didn't get flagged for it. Mm. So it makes a huge difference when you are getting flagged for doing stuff that you shouldn't do. It's fair enough them saying, let them play, but you need to be consistent throughout the whole season, not just in one game, to try and make it a spectacle.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, as Niners fans were like, oh, I wish they'd, did call it last year but then no what it should have happened is what well, they should have never called it this year because they just haven't called them the entire season and they they started calling that and i think that's where the chief frustration comes from is kind of out of nowhere and then as gareth say you can start throwing tom brady conspiracy in there and <laughs> and, and, and what have you which is which could be a thing you know he's Definitely on the right side of the NFL officiating more than once. So. Yeah. I tell you Wouldn't what
0: I <laughs> tell you what annoyed me at the end and I forgot when the owners get the trophy. Yeah. I was a bit like, Who's that guy there? Was, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was thinking, wow. Um, and Gareth called it Tom Brady, MVP.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was always gonna happen, right? If if the Bucks were gonna win it, unless somebody had an absolutely
1: blinder of a game. They were always going to give it to Brady. It's just so you know exactly what I'm just about to say. I thought Devin White should have been MVP. I thought he had a plan. I I, yeah. I,
2: I, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree, but I don't agree. It he, he, he didn't have the type of performance that's deserving of an MVP. You know, even just in a sideline, it's not. What he did was good, but the whole defense played amazing. JPP had a couple of sacks, and Shaq Barrett had a couple of sacks. Yeah, but when you
1: actually look at his stats, his stats did stand out in that defense. He had eight solo tackles, four assists, two tackles for a loss, one interception, two passes defensed. And Mm. he basically ran that defense.
2: But does he do it without the help of his D-line and without... The the help of the other corners, we played you know double team Tyreek Hill all game, which is something you'll never get thankful. Even though it's it's the dirty war, you know the dirty work, and would we'll have been able to do it. I don't think so. He says he's the best linebacker in the game. He's not even close to top five to me, for me. Um, but so you so. can
1: make exactly the same argument for why Tom Brady shouldn't have gotten the MVP. Yeah, because yeah, because he wouldn't have done it had his receivers not actually caught the ball. It oh, wasn't as true. though he was fitting the balls into tight windows. They were open all the time, and that's why I was saying at the beginning, he was efficient. There was a couple of throws he made that were absolutely excellent on the money, but generally he was efficient because the receivers were getting open and there was plenty of space for them. So it wasn't really a taxing game for him. He just had to use his experience, keep calm, find the open receiver and hit them, which is what he did. He didn't have to make um, what, what you call it the, the, the big-time play. He didn't have no, to make sorry. the big time play to beat the Chiefs on Sunday night, which is why when I look at um, the players on the field, for me, it was definitely the defence that won the game. And on that defence, the one that stood out to me as being the best of them all was Devon White.
2: Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's just, it's a callback league, isn't it? They're always going to give it to them, so...
1: Yeah,
3: you, you're not wrong there. You're not wrong. It, they seem to just flatly refuse to give it to defensive players in recent years, unless yeah. Yeah. Unless, unless someone's the monster and, and both offenses stall. Yeah. yeah, unless, you know, it's James Harrison, 100-yard
2: pick to win it, or, you know, plays like this will make you an MVP, or, you know, uh, um, Malcolm Smith's having, you know, 15 tackles and two picks, and it, you have to have an over-outstanding performance on that day that actually makes a huge impact visibly a huge impact on a game to get an mvp as a defensive player it's a shame but it's it's an offensive league and it's a quarterback league that's that's the way it works unfortunately
3: yeah and i think that performance has to be combined with a nondescript performance from the winning quarterback yeah yeah absolutely
1: okay so before we leave the super bowl i want to circle back to the interview that Pat Mahomes gave. Because last season, after the Super Bowl, all the talk was, or all the analysis, was comparing Jimmy Garoppolo to Pat Mahomes. And quite rightly, Pat Mahomes, he he, he made the big-time throws. I'm not going to say he was more efficient or, or a better quarterback on the night, because the, suge- the, the stats suggest he wasn't. He just made the big-time throws, which is what was the difference between the two teams. What I want to talk about is how the both took defeat so last season when Garoppolo was interviewed the first thing Garoppolo said was well I wasn't making the throws I, I wasn't getting the ball into my receivers hands that's why we lost the game I wasn't making the plays that I should have been making to put us in a position to win whereas this year Mahomes quite rightly came out and said well I'm saying quite rightly he shouldn't have said it he should have taken ownership but he just threw his offensive line under the bus And he threw his receivers under the bus when he was asked what went wrong. Well, my offensive line wasn't blocking and my receivers weren't catching the ball.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I touched on it. I don't really understand. I can only imagine it's the frustration of losing, which, you know, when you're the Chiefs, you haven't done a whole lot since, you know, for a while now. And uh, it's not easy to do, Um, you know, when you don't really understand why you're losing, when you've been used to winning so easily, you know, the whole season, uh, all, all of a sudden, you try and look for excuses, and it, it's only natural. Um, he's also very young, so I, I'm not surprised by it. But if I was his o line and all of his coaches and his receivers, I'd be, I'd be quite livid and furious. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so this is going right. to have an
1: impact going into next season in the locker room.
2: Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, but he's also Pat Mahomes, so I think he's probably got a bit of credit and a bit of leeway. Uh, I'm sure if he yeah. apologises and says I was just a bit pissed off and because we lost, um, they, they'll forget about it. But yeah, you can't you can't have too many of those without breaking a locker room. Uh,
1: exactly. So it'll be interesting to see what he says the next time he's interviewed after a major yeah. loss like that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's I it's a So
2: su- go
3: on, Paul.
0: Oh no, sorry, guys. All I was going to say, Nadji, was I was surprised with the negativity coming from his camp around him, his fiance, his mother, yeah, yeah, you know, they were out yeah. tweeting and complaining, and like what Lee said, you know, Jimmy last year came out, and let's face it, anytime Jimmy makes a mistake, he's crucified, uh-huh. and, yeah. uh, I mean, George Kittle was on Good Morning Football in the week, running up the Super Bowl, again, that's my quarterback, I'll die on my sword, I get asked this question 200 times, Jimmy's the man, the team are behind him, Um, and like you said, for Mahomes, you know, maybe he's young, but you need to it's a team game, we've said that all along on this show. You're only as good as your last performance. And let's face it, it wasn't all on the whole line. You know, we've said before, Lee doesn't particularly like a mobile quarterback. If there's ever an argument to shoot down why you should have a mobile quarterback in this league, look at Mahomes running around looking all pretty, but what was the end result? So let's see what you happens.
2: I
3: know I'll let you go, Gareth, because you wanted to say something. I was just going to add, add to what you said, really. I think it's a real leadership test for Mahomes because he's never had to be a loser. He lost that, okay. the yeah. AFC Championship game against the Patriots in his first full season as a starter. Uh, but basically, he's had success, success, success. Um, and it's and it's easy. It's easy to be a leader when everything's going well and, and you're winning games. It's much, much more tough when you're, when you're facing some adversity and, and people are... Uh, uh depressed and, and people are looking at, and thinking about their futures uh and and you're right I think it shows quite a lot of naivety and it certainly seems from from Mahomes potentially and certainly from his camp they've uh, they've overregged his his kind of status he's you know he's the kid he's the next goat and it's almost like he's unstoppable so how he reacts to this to this sort of bursting his bubble. Uh, is is going to be very interesting, um, and and how he might do it if he starts to lose some of those pieces around him in the in the team, because he's he's never for all of the performances he's done, I'd say he's never really had to carry the team because he's always had a good O line, he's always had Travis Kelsey, he's always had uh, uh, Hill, he's always had a solid defense. There's never been a time where uh, like Aaron Rodgers or, or Russell Wilson, where they're the, really the only things that, that that team has got. And he's really got to put the team on his back. I don't think Mahomes has ever actually had to do that, despite how well he's performed in you know, certain times in, in playoff games. He's always done it with a very good supporting cast around him. So, interesting times. You, sure? you, know, you know what
2: you want? What you want is, is, you don't want Pat Mahomes as your QB. You want somebody that
1: has a ring now. And that's Blaine Gabbert. That's what you want. <laughs> you should mention that. The books have turned around and said Blaine Gabbert might be the uh, heir apparent to Tom Brady. I mean, who knows, right? Who knows? Maybe I.
2: you don't get drafted number seven and be in that league for as long as he's been without being somewhat kind of decent at the game. i being a, being a quarterback in this league is too, it's too difficult. If you're terrible, usually you get chipped out. That's why, you know, when you see people signing names that we hate, um, something at the back of my mind says, what if that's just the system? This guy is just going to start shining and be good. Like, you know, Brian Hoyer when he was at the Browns under Kyle and, you know, whatever. obviously didn't work for us, but. It worked when he was there and he had a good season. So, but yeah, I mean, kudos to a uh, former 49ers, Blaine Gabbert, for his, for his ring. It's crazy. Who, it's crazy in this league who has ring and some players that still don't like, you know, Fitzgerald and
1: Calvin Johnson. You, you might have forgotten <laughs> that uh, Bradley Pinion got a ring as well. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: Bradley Pinion. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. Yeah. I'm sure there's more niners than that. Former niners just, than that. It's just going to say, so Gabbert's got the same amount of rings as Rodgers. As yeah. my
0: super fan friend has found out over the last week, when <laughs> every other person texting him, and uh, Najee Gabbard of- still has one of my favourite Niner moments—that touchdown passing overtime against the Bears to so Corey oh, yeah, Smith. That was yeah. one of my favourite memories. I remember jumping around like an idiot in my home on my own, thinking, "Yes, we've won a pointless game!" But that was a, <laughs>
2: a great throw. Yeah, I've I've actually watched him live uh, against the Rams. I can't remember what the year it was, 2017 in Levi. And we won that game and he played really well. Um, well, we always beat the Rams, don't we?
1: we yeah, always, always. Beat, the Rams. <laughs> beat the Rams. Okay, so on to Niner news. I'm going to keep this relatively short. In fact, so short that I've taken off everybody's name bar one. And it's all the coaching changes. There's been a significant amount of coaching changes, and they're pretty much all at the junior level. Um, and the only one I'm going to mention is one that we've already mentioned before. It's just that's been confirmed. And that's Scangarello coming back in as the quarterback's coach. So that was confirmed this week, along with a whole host of other junior position moves.
2: I want to I want to touch on Clay Kubiak, because I think that's massive. Um just because of his dad and the legacy, um, you, you know, Gary Kubiak is one of those NFL coach that just been respected and honored and veneered in the league for his offensive guruness. And, you know, the thing he's done for, for the Vikings and the Broncos and, and however he's been before. And I've been one of his son, which I'm sure has been, you know, bathed in football since basically it came out. Um, I think he's going to replace Lafleur. Oh, no, who did we lose? Yeah, we lo- we lost Lafleur, didn't we? Um, so I, I'll, I'll keep my eye on him because who knows? Uh, he might be an OC somewhere very soon. I I think, it's interesting.
1: Right. So, let's talk about the rumors.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Which one do we start with?
1: Let's start with the Sean Watson. So the Sean Watson has today come out and mentioned that the 49ers are an intriguing destination. And apparently in the same interview, um, he also turned around and said that the Jets is not a destination he's looking at. Well, really? Contrary oh. to to beliefs on um, social media. So that was interesting. Um, and some of the the trade rumours involve Nick Bosa. And understandably, a lot of the Niner fearful are absolutely losing their mind about it. But if you want to go for a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, you have to make a sacrifice. and yeah, I, think, and I Des- think... No, sorry, go on. I think Deshaun Watson, giving up Nick Bosa for Deshaun Watson, that gives us a, a bigger window, a longer period of of potential with Deshaun Watson than it does with Nick Bosa. And as we saw this season, we actually played really well on defence. We were still a top five rated right defence. Without Nick Bosa from pretty much the the first quarter of our second game, so it's not as so though we can do without. Uh, sorry, it's not as so though we can't do it without Nick Bosa. Um, obviously, I would like us to get in a replacement that's a top quality replacement to potentially push us over the edge again. But I'll quite happily give up Nick Bosa and a couple of firsts for Deshaun Watson. Now, in the same trade, they also mentioned Brandon Ayuk.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about Ayuk. I think Ayuk is kind of a one-of-a-kind. But I think, was it you, of that said it um, not that long ago? Bosa has only really had one year in the league, and yeah, it was a pretty fantastic year. But who's to know he's going to come back with the same amount of, you know, l- level of playability and speed and strength after the injuries had. Apparently, there was a report that, that ACL wasn't just a sp- standard ACL, even though he's well on his way to recovery, it, it was a little bit more than it was, which means there's always the possibility of the other knee going because you know that's how genetic works and physics works. Like your knees are kind of built almost the same, so it, losing Bosa to me is it's massive. Yeah, we you know especially because he's only in it would be only in his third year, and what it would cost for us in terms of contract and cap and all that um it's a massive loss but I'm you know as you said if you're gonna go and get Watson somebody like that somebody that's generational and can turn your franchise over for the next 10-15 years paying one defensive hand which we might have to let go eventually anyway because of contract you know if we want to keep Fred Warner and Oh, the people we're going to draft, like Kinlaw, if he turns out to be good, and and so on, we're going to have to let people go. So, might as well let him go now if people want him. Gareth, what did you, was it? Mm. It was you. It said that, wasn't it? Do you agree, or you no, change your mind? I'll, I'll take
3: the credit for sure. Um, I'm, sure it
2: was you. I'm sure it was you.
3: Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I, I put on the, our little chat earlier that obviously, if if the Texans are going to entertain speaking to the 49ers. They they can just enter the room and say, okay, Nick Bosa, plus what else are you going to offer? They can say, if you're not going to offer, offer us him to replace JJ, what well, you know, we're, we're leaving um, because we've got very desirable pieces. Um, and that means people can, can come up after those pieces. I think it would be a huge shame to, to lose Bosa. Um, but on the other hand, you, you've covered some really good things. He's not he's not irreplaceable. The way he plays, he's going to be commanding 20 million plus when his rookie contracts over. And that might be a stretch. We he may he may explore free agency uh, anyway. Um, and and Watson is that foundational piece under contract for a longer period. Uh, its It's a big contract in places, but it's not unmanageable. If you want a quarterback of that sort of calibre, you've you've got to pay him. So I wouldn't like to see Ayuk go because I think that if that was the talk of two firsts, Bosa and Ayuk, that's four first round picks. I'm not sure. I'd I'd say maybe you can have the two uh, and Bosa um, and then maybe we can top it up with a bit of change, such as our compensatory third round picks. That we've got, or, or something like that, or maybe maybe there's another player um, that they might be interested in to fill out their roster somewhere. So uh, I don't think he's he's untradeable. Um, it's just, it is that bit of unknown about how he's going to recover from the from the ACL. Obviously, other players have done it, um, but he was he was injured his final college season, I think, as well. Remember yeah, that into the draft where there was a you know there was a tiny question mark about well he's you know he's he's had a fairly serious injury once already in his career. Um uh but we'll we'll wait and see. Um it's ultimately down to Deshaun to Watson, I think more than anything else. Uh and he can pick probably twenty eight teams that he might want to pick and say, oh, I'll have that one, please. Um uh and that team would be interested in him. So it's going to be up to him. Unless Paul's going to tell us something different. <laughs> well, I was just about to say, Gareth, Lee
0: mentioned about contradicting ourselves tonight. And I mentioned about Mahomes struggling and the mobile quarterback. We've said it before. We, we're happy to go into the season with Jimmy G. But Watson is an immediate upgrade. And mm-hmm. I've wrestled with this all day ahead of the podcast. Thinking, would I give up boss or would I not? And as her, Nadia spoke a lot of sense there. As is yourself and Lee. I think I would. At this moment in time, I think I would take that deal a couple of firsts, bosa give it's us simple. Watson. It's know, simple, really. It's easier uh, you know, I'm to replace
2: Dillant yeah, um, than find somebody like Watson. As simple as that, really. I think that's what it comes down to, isn't it?
0: I'm, I've seen the rumours kicking about where we're looking at Sam Darnold. and I'm going to basically say it. If we get Watson, I'm happy. Other than that, I'd be happy to go in with Jimmy G. And someone out of the draft. I don't want someone like Sam Darnold, personally. Um, i seen a horrific proposed trade on the Colin Coherd show before I came on. The Texans would get Darnold, three first-round picks and a second-round pick. The Jets would get Russell Wilson. The Seahawks would get Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Bosa, two first-round picks. And we'd get Deshaun Watson. Never we never sending <laughs> to the, the
1: Seahawks. No and
0: year. I was like, no, 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 no. Oh, so I thought I would mention oh, that tonight to see if you all felt the same
1: as me yeah. seeing that. Well, definitely. I saw that and I felt exactly the same. way. there's absolutely <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, no, no, no way we would trade any of our elite players. quality players yeah. to a divisional rival. Yeah, it no just no wouldn't chance. happen. It's just no. the same as Russell Wilson will never ever play for the 49ers yeah. coming directly from the Seahawks. No, yeah. don't think so. That's not to say, and this has <laughs> happened before, where Team A has traded to Team B, who was immediately traded to Team C, and Team C and tre- uh, Team A are both in the same division. And that's why it's happened that way.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's possible to just to spy them, right? If if, And we can talk about R- Russell Wilson because there's been reports of um, unhappiness in, in both directions, right, in, in the C- and in Russell Wilson because, once again, he spoke his mind and kind of threw his coaches and his his line and, and the whole organization under the bus of why they lost against the Rams, even though they lost against the Rams because they were terrible and they, can't, they couldn't play defense. It had nothing to do with Wilson getting sacked five times, especially against Aaron Donald. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's interesting to see all of this team that rely on you know, such talent like the Texans and Watson and, you know, the, the Seahawks and, and Russell Wilson and the Chiefs and my homes, as soon as everything doesn't work, people aren't happy anymore. And then, you know, egos and whatever starts bobbing up to the surface. And it's, it's not pretty. I wouldn't want to be a, a Seahawk fan right now and having maybe waking up tomorrow and see that. Russell Wilson's asked for a trade. I, I'd, I'd be bummed out if I was a Hawks. I'd be very happy as a Nina fan. But I right. think it like, just reminds us of how amazing our franchise is and how our team is where you never hear any of that. And people really like each other. And you said, you know, Paul Kittle is always saying Jimmy G is my QB. And they seem to be friends as well. And even when we lose and we lose bad, you know, like against Miami or whatever, or against Philly when it's clearly someone's fault, the blame's never thrown on anybody but uh, themselves. You know, Mullen said, oh, it's my fault. And then Warner said, oh, we should have played better and et cetera, et cetera.
0: So there we go. That's why I mentioned, like, the people around my homes. I mean, I'm only going off the glimpse I've seen on his social media. I mean, Kyle Usack's come out this week and said, I'm hitting free agency, but I want to stay at the 49ers. You know, um, Bourne, greenlaw they're all coming out and saying we want to stay. Um, Trent Williams appears he's going to test free agency, from what I've seen. I'm not overly worried, because I always believed he would test to see what he could get. But do you think there's a scenario where someone comes and blows us out of the water, or...? possible
1: yeah it's, it's possible. possible but i think they're doing exactly what they're seeing they're doing they're going out to test free agency to find out what their market value is so that they can go back and discuss uh contract terms with the 49ers which is where they want to play and they've made that known they want to come back to the 49ers it's so that they have a starting point to to basically do those negotiations it may well be that they get a really good offer and decide that you know well you know what for a little bit less I'm quite happy to stay at the 49ers because yep. I know what direction this organization's going in. I know all the team. I know the playbook. I feel comfortable here. I've got a really good feeling, so I'll quite happily take a little bit less with the, uh, the idea that we will be competing for championships year in, year out. And I think that's what they're doing. They're just testing their own value to make sure that they don't undersell themselves to the 49ers, which is fair enough. And I think... John Lynch would actually welcome that so they can go out because potentially, due to the cap hit, their value might not be as high as what they think it is.
3: That's what they're thinking, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think it, you're, you're absolutely right. It gives the players some leverage if they've got a, a reasonably firm contract offer from somewhere for, you know, 13, 14 million and they'll say, well, that, you know, that's why I'm asking for 11, 12 to stay, to stay with the Niners. Uh, and everybody's value is up in the air with that with that cap hit. So, yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've,
2: I think I think that's the major thing that we need to know before anything happens. And I think all of these big contracts, you know, Trent Williams and and UseCheck and all, all our big free agents are just going to wait to see what the cap is because that's just going to, you know, set what their contract can be at. Um, but yeah, but talking about. People that may settle to come to a winning team. What do we think? Do we think we have a shot at landing JJ Watt? Do we want JJ Watt? Um, Lee, what do you think?
1: Well, he played all 16 games last season, which is more than what D Ford did. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, to be honest, I'd be quite happy to take uh, JJ Watt. I fully believe we will cut D Ford. I think we need to cut him before April the 1st because that's when 10 million of his contract becomes guaranteed. Yeah. Um, It doesn't save us that much more, but I think that will happen. So yeah, I would be quite happy to put JJ Watt on potentially the other side to Nick Bosa, if we still have Nick Bosa. It could be, and this is completely speculation from myself and nowhere else, but it could be the fact that the Texans have released JJ Watt today is because behind the scenes there is talk of the 49ers trading for Deshaun Watson and giving them Nick Bosa. Which means they don't really need a tight end, um, sorry, a defensive end. And they can honour the fact that he's been such a good servant for their organisation. We Mm -hmm. could then pick up JJ Watt as a temporary stopgap for losing Nick Bosa, which will give us our edge rusher. Mm A couple of years? Yeah, a couple of years. It would immediately plug a gap with an all pro and we get our starting quarterback, somebody who can actually get us to championships year in, year out and win them by himself without needing that support and cast around them.
2: Yeah, I mean I, the thing as well, and I I, I thought about it. And I was like, do we do I really want JJ White on my team? And I'm like, yes, I do, absolutely, 100%. Even a half JJ White I want on my team. The guy is a Hall of Famer, and you just don't turn away talent like that. Um, even if he doesn't play that much, right, the impact it's going to have on the franchise, on filling the stadium up, if you know, if it's possible in, in the next season, uh, on you know teaching. All the new guys and Kenlo, and giving Armstead a bit more of his, you know, experience, and all the new rookies that we're going to have to draft in maybe the second or the third round because we don't have first rounds anymore, and these guys aren't sure first-rounders, good players, so you're going to have to teach them a bit more. And then, does that mean maybe Richard Sherman reconsiders going somewhere else if he has a chance to play with JJ Watt and Deshaun Watson and? Have a, a definite chance to make the championship next year. I think it could be major, and I don't think it would cost us that much money to to do it. And I think, I think the Niners are an attractive, uh, as you said, Paul, an attractive team for many players in the moment. It's not just the weather and the, the city, and I think Kyle and you know Demeco Ryan's. He played with the JJ White for quite some time. Um, out, it's not out of the realm of completely crazy that this happened very soon um and i, I really hope it does and i i'd be the first to buy a JJ Watt uh, jersey mm-hmm. i mean fr- from ch- from china for sure but still uh, <laughs> yeah don't <blame laughs> i don't on for the one. 170 dollars jersey i mean
1: i have like 10 that's way too much money so, so on yeah. on a completely separate side note my christmas present turned up this week on oh, tuesday so this was ordered in the middle of November. So I finally got my uh, George Kittle alternative jersey. Um and I went for a medium because I've lost a lot of weight and as far as the body's concerned, it fits pretty much perfectly. Getting my head through that hole at the top is a bit of a stretch though. <laughs> Literally a bit of a stretch. I can hear that the stitching stretching oh, as I'm putting it on. I can't believe that the the neck hole is that small on a medium. It's it's just really strange. Oh, it's- it's shiny
2: stuff. It's all over the place. Measurements are you. You give stuff sometimes that long down your knees and you can barely fit your, your arms through. It's just you get for paying, you know, sub 20 pounds. Yeah.
0: So we are, I have the opposite problem to you, Lee, in lockdown. I had to go for a large George Kittle jersey because uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs>
1: Well, I didn't like but, to say that. The pictures that you posted has given it away a bit, Paul, but uh, <laughs> you, you do look twice the man you used to be. Cheers, mate. That wasn't going that far, but, you know, I am aware. <laughs> well, tell us what you think
2: about JJ Watt, Paul. Would you have him? I mean, yeah, no brain, um, no-brainer, right?
0: I mean, like you said, Lee said, the, the, the default, it's definitely before the 1st of April. It's $11.6 million of his salary next year becomes fully guaranteed. And like you said, default didn't play. So immediately, even without the boss to talk, you take D Ford out and you put JJ Watt in, and like you said, Andy Hall of Famer, it, the interview he's done this afternoon explaining why he has to be released. he just seems to be one of those guys you want
3: in the locker room. Um, so yeah, it's a no-brainer for me. What about you, Gareth? Yeah, I take him. It's it's about affordability and and basically he's got thirty-one teams to pick. So I I fully expect him to take a one-year contract at the Buccaneers. So um, do they have the cap though? That's, uh, that's I mean, it's very much possible. <laughs> but and yeah,
2: that's true. That would be, uh, that would be crushing. Um, you yeah,
3: know, if you are a player, because let's face it, I mean, uh, JJ Watts probably got a few quid in the bank. So, uh, but he's never really had any success. So he can, he can chase the success or he can, or he can pad out his bank account again. And I think either is a valid option for the player. And there's a lot of players. I like mentioned Richard Sherman. Um, he, he seems to understand that we're probably not going to pay him what he, he, wants, he wants to be yeah. paid. Um, and, and a player in his position has, has a situation. Do, does he want to go to somewhere like the Jets, be be the old head in the locker room, mentor the players um, and, and look after his family for the future? Or does he want to chase the ring? And I think that's that's up to the player. And I, I don't have any objection to what the players choose to do with with uh with their careers. So um, it's the same as Deshaun and, and JJ Watt and others. It's it's what they want. And coming to the Niners is is a chance to be uh, obviously with a, a storied franchise, uh, a chance to chase a wing, but possibly not going to give you the absolute maximum that you might be able to earn elsewhere and that's just down to individual players to choose what they want to do so yeah i'd love to have jj watt but i'm i'm not going to hold my breath um and of course you'll have to fight kinlaw for the 99 uh number shirt so
2: oh yeah i, mean, I would
3: i would pay to see that <laughs> i mean you just
2: give him right like if he wants 99 you just give it
3: to
1: him yeah
2: <laughs> yeah exactly
1: Okay, guys, thank you very much for joining me. I have a thank challenge you. for you for the next podcast. Yes. And I actually have Bring a challenge it. for everybody. So anybody that listens can do this challenge. And then it'll be interesting for you to um, compare with what what we do in the next podcast. So what I would like you to do is complete a full draft on PFF DraftSim. Sim. And for any listeners who are not aware, you don't have to pay for this. This is a free draft sim. Um, So just search PFF draft sim and you'll find the link to it. So what I want you to do is perform a draft as the 49ers with only a single trade. That single trade has to be your two seventh round picks where you can trade up. And the reason for that is because the PFF uh, draft Sim is no longer doing seven rounds. It's only doing six for some reason. I don't know why it's changed. It's only happened um, recently within the last couple of days. Not that I'm on there every day, even though I am on there every day. Um, <laughs> it's it, it suddenly changed to six. So you're allowed to, uh, to trade your two seventh round picks wherever you want. So there's a few other things that you need to be aware of. You need to pick players at positions of what you think are our need in the team and not only that you need to do a little bit research so hopefully this will this will be an interactive kind of challenge it'll help people who don't actually follow the the college game to do a little bit research on players that are available when they get through to the pick so you need to make sure that they fit our schemes and for for the sake of argument on defense let's say there's not going to be any change from Salah going to dimeco Ryan's as far as schemes concerned we play pretty much 99% zone on defense. So if you're going to go for a uh, cornerback it needs to be a cornerback that excels in the zone. So just look for that. If we do an offense obviously all our offense is built on yards after the catch. Um we we can do with a speedy receiver to be honest, but that that's the type of area you want to look at. Short passing, yards after the catch. So if you look for those draft your players accordingly and then we can all compare. Now what I would say is ignore the PFF ratings because those are based off college play only. You get the likes of ESPN, CBS Sports, NBC Sports who have their big boards and their ratings are generally a lot more closer to what actually happens in the draft. For the last couple of years I followed the PFF ratings and the draft and it's all over the place to be honest as far as PFF is concerned. They tend to be reasonably okay in the first 15 or so picks, but then it starts going a bit pear-shaped. So ignore the PFF ratings and find a big board that suits you and use their value for when the draft pick comes up, which means potentially um, at draft pick 43, you might be taking somebody on the PFF board who's rated down at 110. But on other boards, they're up at 32. That's how much of a difference there is, so bear that in mind. Um, and like I said, draft for needs, draft for somebody that fits our, our scheme. Now, a couple of other things you need to know about the setup of the draft. You need to set the positional value to 1, the randomness to 2, and draft for needs to 5. So there's not actually numbers on them. It's like a radio button you move along, um, a scroll button you move along. But it's quite obvious that one 1 to the right is 1. So, it's, it's, it's as simple as that. So, that's how you do it. So, positional value one, randomness two, drafting needs five. And then we can all compare what we did. The only pick that should be different is the pick where you traded your two seventh round picks for an earlier round pick, purely because, like I said, there's only six rounds there. And it'll be interesting to see what value you got, who you traded with, and which player you picked up with that particular pick. So, hopefully. This is going to be a lot of fun for everybody. I know it's a lot of fun for me because I'm never off the uh, draft sim. Can't, I can't seem to tear myself away from it. Um, I really enjoyed it. And uh, obviously you get a draft grade at the end. Don't be too disappointed if it's a, if it's a rubbish draft grade. I mean, what do we know? <laughs> we are yeah. armchair GMs. That's all it is. Um, so it's all a little bit of fun. And in the next show, we'll discuss and we, we'll go through each one of our picks and we'll discuss why we picked that particular player why we thought it was a position of need of a priority or whether or not we had a bigger priority, but there was a player who was much gave you much more value for that particular pick without being traded down. So Watch, that type gonna, of thing's that
2: we're, we're gonna all do this and then JJ Watt's gonna sign and then Deshaun Watson's gonna get traded to us. And then you can put it all in the bin because we don't the all the needs are going to be different.
1: <laughs> so, so obviously when you trade, when, when you do the draft sim, you do it off the roster today. So today's date is Friday the 12th of February. This show is probably is not going to go out for at least five days because I'm going to try something else as well as far as publishing of the show is concerned. Um, but if you base it off Friday the 12th of February, where we do not have Deshaun Watson, we do not have J.J. Watt, and we have all of the pieces that we believe we have. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Great, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I think think it'll be a lot of fun. Like I said, for anybody that doesn't follow the college game, it'll be interesting for them to see the names pop up and do a little bit of a, I mean, basically Google it, the the name of the player and draft profile, and you'll find a wealth of information. And it doesn't take long to read through it. So have a look at that, uh, and I I think you'll enjoy it. I think it'll be an enjoyable experience for us all. Right. Thanks again to everyone that listened to the show. If you haven't done so already, please rate us on iTunes and remember to subscribe to ensure you get the latest podcasts when they are released. Also, check out our YouTube channel by searching for 49 of Faithful UK. Until next time, stay safe and go Niners. Go Niners
0: love the San Francisco 49ers deep in the heart, like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark, Garrison Hurst, Stiff Farm going 99, don't get it twisted, one and all, with prime time John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline, NDB, greatest owner of all time, Gruden, Walgreens, Bill Belichick, were with all students of Bill Walsh, don't ever forget.